What's up, revelers and weirdos? Welcome to Scaring Sam, where I attempt to spook my fiance with horror, give a meaningful explanation why, and she questions why she wants to marry me. <laughs> I'm your host, James Reese, aka the reincarnated Black Philip. What? And I'm Sam David, <laughs> aka the sexy chupacabra. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, look who's back. Sam's back. I'm back. God, you're so beautiful. Look at your beautiful face. I can't. It's on my face. I want to lick your face. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we've set up the room as close as we can to get to a cinema. Lights are out. The music's turned up. And we have popcorn. Mm, low calorie popcorn. It wasn't actually low calorie. You've got to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not read really, the amount. Really, the whole pack is not... Per quarter of the pack is low calorie, but when you eat the entire pack, it is not. Man, I'm missing the cinema. I really am. I want to see Godzilla vs Kong on the big screen, where it's meant to be seen. I just want to see films on the big screen. That's how we're meant to experience them. And I, I just, I really hope that sometime soon this year... The cinema industry will just kick back in. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are feeling exactly the same. I just can't wait. Hopefully, but by the sounds of it, they're all pushing everything back until autumn. Well, we're just going to have to continue with our um, homemade cinema experiences. And... It's February. And we're continuing our strange, weird, tainted love. With every film this month, we talk about... Horror films with a weird, twisted love story, a romance in its gooey centre. And this week we talk about The Fly. And it did not disappoint. No, and it was a love story. Twisted though. (laughs) Yeah, literally the first scene you got Jeff Goldblum chatting up Gina Davis awkwardly, almost as bad as me. Yeah, I did see um, some similarities. (laughs) Was it the bug eyes and the hand gestures? No. And the social awkwardness? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so getting into the film, I'm not entirely sure the pickup line would work on me. What did you write down? He was saying something about, like, I have a great cappuccino machine... (laughs) <laughs> well, that'll do it for me. <laughs> yeah, for you, coffee. okay. Um, and then he goes and plays the piano, doesn't he? Well, you'll be like, for you, Where's be the like, coffee? <laughs> yeah, you'll be like, oh, I, I've got a great tea strain I want to show you. I've got a fantastic selection of teas to show you. Hmm. And you'll be like, not as big as my collection. And then he'll be like, oh, you're comparing sizes. What? I don't know. I'm terrible at showing <laughs> I'll show you my tea collection and you show me yours. Mm. On that note. <laughs> yes, on that note. And Fly? The plot's easy. The plot's based on an old 50s film, so it's very simple. An eccentric scientist does an experiment which goes terribly wrong. And he turns into a fly. A man fly. A poopy looking fly. <laughs> yeah. You don't look like a fly. No. No, he does not look like a fly. I don't know. Maybe it's like he's supposed to be like metamorphosis. Meant to be... No, he's not even a butterfly. He's not going into a cocoon. He's not like... This is my cocoon stage. He's not like second evolution of a Pokemon. 
He's like, I'm slowly turning into what comes out of my butthole. <laughs> okay, so that that's how we actually saw him in the film. But before before watching this, I had this kind of romanticised idea of what um, Goldblum's character was going to look like. So, okay, hear me out. Right, so I thought he was going to have, like, okay, a hairy body. Yeah, flies are hairy, aren't they? So he's going to have, like, an extremely hairy body, (laughs) bigger deformed eyes, because they have massive eyes, and some wings. (laughs) Yeah, there's no wings. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, there's no wings. Um, And, yeah, all we got was, like, the skin and muscle and fat of a human sort of glooping together <laughs> like sitting on sitting on his body um and then spoilers yes slowly some of his um body parts fell off didn't they <laughs> <laughs> all the good ones yeah. all the fun ones <laughs> but in the um original i think which starred vincent price he's literally just his head turns into like, a fly head right you so say he's like wearing the white white what are they called? Like the coats that doctors wear with like a fly head on top. Oh. And it's a proper fly head. Now they got the little spectrum-y eyes and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And he's like, buzz, buzz, buzz. And maybe he has little claw hands or something. Right. But yeah. this one's just taken it to a gruesome level. Yeah, it's turned into Mr. Poopy Bottom or something. <laughs> but that's David Cronenberg. All, all his films in the 80s at least and... Mid nineties, he basically like focused on body horror. He used it all mm. the time for like metaphors, like the brood, this woman's anger and like resentment towards like society. I haven't seen the film, but it manifests as these evil, grotesque children that eat people and stuff like that. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, or <laughs> is it Shivers or one of his other films? Like a woman contracts a sexually transmitted disease, which is like a weird maggot thing underneath her armpit and what? infects an entire tower block for, and they all become like sexually charged mutants or something and it's supposed to be like the sexual repression back then in the 70s or huh. something like that I, I hadn't seen it yeah all his films they back in the day use body horror as like metaphor yeah and people love body horror to some extent it means like that human's grotesque fascination with Things falling off or things being attached. And it's like audience are equally repulsed and intrigued by the unnatural transformations. Mm. It's like, ooh, what's going to fall off next? What's popping off here? <laughs> I mean, I love The Thing. John Carpenter's best film, and that's basically body horror. Mm. Just mm, twisty and turning. What's this going to come out? Oh, it's a weird claw thing. Yeah, so this... This one did interest me because I've never really seen anything like this before. Um, what a, a weird love story. I didn't get bored. It didn't drag at all for me. Did it drag a few? No, because it's just like a perfect 90-minute film. Yeah. There's no padding or anything. And no. I suppose it's got that science, sci-fi angle to it. Which, you which love I love, well. yeah. yeah. And of course you've got... Jeff Goldblum, you know, ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? And we all know Jeff Goldblum now. He's, I don't know, is he a parody of himself? Or there's more media attention on him. We know him as like, the, ooh, ah, ooh, like, quirky, fun. He's 
kooky Uncle Jeff. <laughs> but in this film, back in 1986... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That summarises this film. <laughs> the, the Fly, in 1986, he was Jeff Goldblum. Daddy. That's what he was. Sexy daddy Jeff Goldblum. Do you know what? He's actually quite attractive in this. And you didn't expect me to think that, did you? Well, before he starts mutating, of course. Well, yes, because we was arguing because I want Jeff Goldblum in The Fly back in 1986 to be the second inductee in the Long Hair Man Appreciation Society. But Sam, before seeing this film, was like, Oh, no, Jeff Goldblum, no. <laughs> Why Jeff Goldblum? He ain't got long flowing hair. He isn't sexy. And then he stepped out of the teleportation machine, glistening, rippling with muscle, <laughs> holding a baboon in his arms. And you're like, hmm, I want a sweet slice of Goldblum. <laughs> Not entirely sure I'd put it that way. But yes, I definitely agree we can put him into the long-haired man society. So it's not just the Jared Padalecki appreciation society. But yeah, basically, first part of the film is basically a romance with a kooky scientist who somehow persuades Gina Davis to go into his dodgy back alley shithole warehouse. (laughs) I know, I know. So she's driving... Like, if that was me driving to some kind of warehouse, okay, if you weren't around kind of thing, not I'm not just going to drive to some yeah, warehouse. and if you were a journalist, <laughs> journalist as well of a story. Yeah, so I'm driving to some random warehouse. I think I'd be dropping the guy off. Okay, thanks, see you later. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't help when he enters the warehouse and he starts playing the piano as well. Oh, no, I love that bit. You know, if you're standing there, you're like, um, you want to show me your experiment and you're trying to woo me. I know he's supposed to be socially awkward because he's a scientist who keeps to himself all the time, but still, bad vibe. A guy that can play an instrument? Fantastic. Yeah, I I can imagine myself now, like, wearing a sequin dress and, like, sprawled out across the piano as Jeff Goblin plays me a little jingle. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, it's the 21st century. Can't one good-looking... Heterosexual man, appreciate another good-looking heterosexual man. Oh, yeah, of course, but wearing a sequin dress. Oh, right. I'm so comfortable with my sexuality, I can't You've wear a sequin dress. You've never worn a dress before, James. You won't let me. And all of a sudden, you're whipping out this sequin You won't one. let me. I'm only allowed on Halloween. You haven't even worn one on Halloween. I know, because I'm lazy. I ain't got round to it. Oh, well. Yeah, anyway, speaking of that baboon, which is called Typhoon, apparently, in real life. Oh. Yeah. Wild. It was a wild um, baboon. It was not trained. What? <laughs> it was a wild baboon running about the place. No. And apparently... He jumps it... into Jeff's arms. Ah, Can't be... Ah. Uh, because he was so dominant presence with his six foot four stature that the baboon, like, primal instinct just, like, respected him. To jump into his arms. Yeah, Jeff and the, the baboon's handler. Yeah. That's the only ones who could control him because the baboon just recognised, like, Jeff Goldblum, daddy, was, like, top dog, top primate. Okay. And that's how he could handle it. But that baboon, he was, like, in the teleportation machine and all the lights were flashing. He's freaked out. He kicked the door in and he ran out, everything. People were shit scared of it. 
It was a wild baboon on set. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised. Why didn't they have a trained I don't know, maybe you can't train baboons. No, exactly. So why was there a baboon then? (laughs) Yeah, he's a chimpanzee or something. Easier to train. I mean, baboons are scary. He's in their teeth. I mean, you could have just had like a cat or a dog. Uh, Well, there apparently was a cat. There was a deleted scene. Oh, Right, where... No, the bit when he says like four weeks later and Gina Davis's Veronica hasn't seen him and she comes back and he's all messed up. Yeah. I think around that point he did like a experiment when he put the baboon, the second baboon, because the first baboon turned inside out in the machine. Yes, yes it did. That wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> well, this was even more unpleasant. He put the baboon into the teleportation machine with a street cat and what came out was this weird baboon cat hybrid. And then he chases it down out of anger because he's like, oh, angry fly DNA and Uh beats it to death. And apparently shortly afterwards, he like climbs down the side of a building and a weird arm appendage comes out and he like chews it off and all this stuff. What, of himself? Yeah. And that apparently caused one of the audience members in the test screening to like vomit. (laughs) So they cut that out, but they also thought to be sympathetic with... Jeff Goldblum's character. Yeah. They didn't want to turn him into an antagonist. They wanted mm. you to feel sorry for him. So him beating to death a baboon cat creature was a step too far. Yes, I can understand that. Yeah, I still felt a bit sorry for his character, even when he's like turned into this gloopy fly human mess thing. There's still that human aspect of him that we're trying to connect with. But before that, before he starts to change, he's like, first he's like, feels, oh, I'm all psyched, I'm a powerful, I'm like yeah. the Hulk. And he's just doing like gymnastics in his warehouse. Yeah, literally being crossed <laughs> with fly DNA turns you into a pro at CrossFit. Mm. But he's doing like L sits, he's doing like pullovers, like everything someone who works out aspires to become. You're thinking, great, bonus. I've got all this strength, all this athleticism. Well, cool. And also, he wants to fuck. Jeff Goblin wants to fuck with his fly DNA. Yes. He can't yes, stop. Yes, he does. He's got a lot of bodily fluids inside of him. And then when he doesn't get to continue, he eats ice cream. Yeah, he eats ice cream, eats donuts. Well, I the think sugar. that's a fair deal, actually. I suppose he asks, isn't it? <laughs> Sex and sugar. <laughs> and ice cream. Yeah, and when he doesn't get to fuck Gina Davis, he goes down to a local pub and pick up a bar skank. Yeah. And that doesn't work so well, does it? No, and at this point he's like skin starting to go, he's getting a bit of acne, getting a bit sweaty. Her standards are quite low, aren't they? Ooh, like fly standards. Oh, the basket standards. Yeah. Well, she's already um pining for one of these knuckleheads who are like arm wrestling. Oh yeah, that scene. Yeah, because apparently breaking a guy's arm with a bit of bone sticking out. It does it for her. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That, yeah. That, do you know what? That looked really realistic. <laughs> it made me kind of like hold my wrists close to <laughs> me. Like, no, <laughs> I meant to keep mine intact, thanks. <laughs> well, that's body horror. It's like, oh, things are poking out where they shouldn't be poking yeah. out. But I can't take my eyes off. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. But even before he picks up like the bar skank, he's got... Jeff talking about penetration all the time. He's so, like, riled up and horny. He's talking about penetration beyond the plasma pool. 
whatever that means. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask me. So I'm going to penetrate the walls of reality. I'm so horny. Because apparently flies are really, really horny. They just want to eat and reproduce, don't they? Well, they're basically like nature's cleanup crew, don't they? They eat the way they decay and all this mm-hmm. stuff and dead livestock and whatever. And humans hate them. Yeah, they're disgusting things, dirty things. But yeah, it's like... So he picks up the basket and then... I guess he has his way with her. She's clearly up for it. Her stands are very low. And then Veronica turns up afterwards because he's obsessed about, hey, go into my teleporter. You feel so good afterwards. You feel like a god, like a golden god. And nobody's up for it because it's a hard sell. I'm going to put you in this claustrophobic little box and all this stuff. He tried it with Veronica. She didn't like it. He rejected her. He tries it with the bar skank, doesn't work. And then Veronica turns up again. And basically he's acting like a drug addict now, isn't he? Mm. Like someone off their tits on meth or something and he just wants that high. And his body's falling apart because of his addiction. And Veronica's trying to help him. But Seth just rejects her. And then it's four weeks later and things have gone a little bit downhill. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit downhill. <laughs> Next time we see him, Seth looks like his face is the top of like lasagna, like melted cheese. <laughs> and he's... I'm sorry, but melted cheese looks better than his face does. Yeah, yeah, but have you ever seen melted cheese on someone's face? It's probably very No, similar. I have not. It's got that golden top and so forth. Oh. And he's walking around on crutches, so he hasn't got that athletic prowess anymore. And looks like he's Jizzed a lot over his check shirt. We just, at that point, we didn't know what it was. And I don't think he did either, because that's why Jeff was... Sorry, Jeff. That's why Seth was um, kind of dying, wasn't he? His fly-human being was wasting away because he wasn't able to eat. Yeah, his humanity is dying away. But he's got acne skin. He's got jizz on his shirt. He's always horny all the time. He's transforming into a 14-year-old. <laughs> Not entirely sure if a 14-year-old can grow that much hair. Some might, I don't know. They get a little dodgy little tash thing. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he is eating. He's eating all the sugar. He's got all the donuts and the chocolate snacks. And then we see how he eats. Yeah, but that's... He, he was eating okay beforehand, before all this gloopy, liquidy substance um, was appearing everywhere and then he was on crutches because he didn't know what it was for. He was, like, vomiting up stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, and apologising. He didn't know what it was. But then Veronica discovers she's pregnant. Yes. I mean, it's the 80s, people, and AIDS was a pandemic that swept the world at that time. You've got to have safe sex in the 80s. And yes, you don't (laughs) want to part fly, baby, do you? (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, so if you are pregnant right now, do not watch this film. That is my nugget of wisdom to you. Um, You do not need those fears and nightmares. Seriously, don't watch it. Yes, because there's a lovely scene which we find out is a dream sequence where Veronica is 
is she tempting her for an abortion or she's giving birth? They're not really clear at that moment. No, it's it's kind of mixed, isn't it? It's like she's gone in for an abortion and they're taking it out and then all of a sudden she's actually having a baby, but it's not a baby. Then you got, <laughs> got David Cronenberg cameoing as the doctor and he's like going, push, push, and he's like pushing down on her stomach. I, I don't think when a woman's giving birth, you, you do down. that. No. <laughs> yeah, and then this... Oh, maggot thing comes out between our legs. Yeah, but it's massive. Yeah, it's a massive and maggot. And there's just blood everywhere and... No. And then she wakes up. Thank and, God. And then we see... Well, Seth can't procreate anymore because he's collecting all the body parts that have fallen off in jars. In... And I saw ears yeah, I saw... <laughs> and nails and teeth. And what did you see, Jess? I saw, I guess, an impressively sized appendage in a jar. Because he's walking around right now as like, what's that? Well, he just doesn't have any clothes on, does he? And yeah, he looks like... Just, you can't see anything. He's Mr. Hanky in South Park. He's just this giant turd monster now. Yeah. And he's not wearing jeans anymore. He can't fit in jeans now. But Cronenberg dismisses flies about AIDS. He says it's more about... Aging and the inevitability of deteriorating, and feels this is like a universal fear, and mm-hmm. it's the reason why the film was such a success. With the basic premises, two lovers, where one contracts a disease, while the other is forced to watch them slowly fade away before mm. aiding in their suicide. Well, you can obviously see. Obviously, it came out in the eighties, in eighty six. You could see the parallels that people assumed it was about the AIDS pandemic. Like, have safe sex, otherwise you're going to contract this horrific disease. Because they talk about it, don't they? They, When she talks with her ex, this weird, creepy guy who's all over the shop. Which is also her boss. (laughs) Yeah. Great little working environment there. Where he's talking about, oh, if you die, if he kills you, can I claim your body afterwards? Was it that or was it um, when he's gone, when Seth is gone, can I claim you? Oh. That's how I took it because she was still liking him at this point, wasn't she? She's still kind of involved. She's still creepy. Can I claim you? Yes, it's 100% creepy. (laughs) Getting back to what she's talking about, oh, this could be like a disease. He could be spreading it. Keep away from him. Was obviously how people felt in the 80s. Mm. But no, it's about watching a loved one fade before your eyes. Which, it's it's also kind of similar to this current pandemic, isn't it? Mm. We are unable to be with people and a lot of people are, are not able to spend their last moments with some people that are really close to them. And it's it's kind of very similar, isn't it? We're... We're watching them change before our eyes, yeah. or not even that. Like, and we could do nothing about it. Exactly. That could be like any like life-threatening disease, isn't it? Mm. You just you have no control of the situation, and someone you love is just leaving you. Their body's their body is destroying itself, and they're dying before your eyes. And they're losing their humanity. Mm. 
but is literally physically losing his humanity in this film. Yes, very much physically, because to an extent, he's still able to mentally be there as his scientific human brain allows him to. <laughs> but then he's like, teeth are falling out, the computer doesn't even recognise his voice anymore. Yeah. And before he does that full fly transformation where basically the husk of his humanity just mm. pulls off him when like Veronica's holding on to him and his like whole arm sleeve oh, no, is falling off it was his jaw that oh, yes. first came off and his jaw just literally just came off in her hand oh because his final solution is to get his humanity back he's going to splice his DNA with Veronica and their unborn child and they're going to be like the perfect family well, all melded together. Yeah, all merged together. Yeah. So he's, again, dragging her to the teleporter and she grabs hold of his face and his jaw just peels off. Oh. And then he's just splitting open. But did you know, it's the last thing to go of his humanity was, like, his eyes. Yeah, they just kind of melted away, though, didn't they, into his head. Out on, on the ground or whatever. But as they say, like, eyes are the window to the soul and after they're gone... All his humanity's gone, and now he's just this mm. warped fly creature with the black beady eyes and the twitchiness. No wings still, though. You notice that? No wings. Mm. It's a flyer that can't fly. <laughs> but at this point, this is when like the X intervenes, and he's got his like pump-action shotgun or whatever it is. We don't have guns in the UK. We don't know what's what. <laughs> and well, me and you don't know, <laughs> at least. And Brundlefly, as he's calling himself now, drops down from the ceiling and, like, melts his hand off. Oh, yeah, and his ankle as well. Yeah, but his foot and hands come yeah. off. And he's, like, he goes unconscious from, like, yeah, the pain. he goes into shock. Mean. And then Brundlefly is thinking, oh, I'm going to nibble on this now, nibble on his little stump hand. <laughs> he looked like he was going to nibble on his head, though. Oh, yeah, I thought oh, he was going to melt his head as well. Yeah, he was going to melt his head and then... Like, Suck it up. Chomp on it, mm, yeah. Lovely milkshake. Like, I, do, mm. I drink your milkshake. Oh. But, of course, Veronica stops him in time, but part of me is still thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind Jeff Goldblum shooting some body fluids on me. <laughs> oh. I'm joking. A little. I'm joking. What? <laughs> no, I just wear... I just wear when a you say things like that, I do start <laughs> questioning... <laughs> My choices. I just, I just settle for wearing a sequin dress, and he just plays a little jingle for me. Yeah, okay. We'd be like buddies. Mm, okay. I'm not on the turn. I love Jeff Goldblum in a heterosexual way. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Important point. Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis were actually a couple in this film. Um, were they a couple before or? Was it because... No, no, no. Jeff um, persuaded them to cast Gina in the film. Oh, I see. Okay. But it was that point where, in the scenes where she, like, shared with the crazy ex, even though there's no chemistry in these scenes, I mean, he's a creepy fucker. Like, Mm. he has a key to her apartment still, and he just decides to have showers there, uninvited. And then acts like a stage four clinger in like the supermarket. Going, Why have you rejected me? And then next time you see him, he's all rational. Like, going, oh, yeah, maybe we should do this little story then on this guy with a teleporter. Choose a lane, okay? Choose one side of craziness. Yeah, but... 
when when they were talking in his office, right at the end before she walks out, he's like, is sex on the table? Like, just stress-relieving sex. Yeah, he was, like, he was acting so all concerned. always, like, in... Yeah, it's always on his... In his mind. He's not so. I mean, he was acting fine. He was there comforting her in that scene and he was acting caring and sympathetic, coming up for solutions. And then straight afterwards, right at the end of the scene, he's like, so can we still have sex? How about no? How about you haven't had it for a little while, so why would it start up again? <laughs> yeah. But even despite all these dodgy scenes with the ex, where there's no chemistry... Gina Davis's character is not interested. Apparently, Jeff Goldblum was getting jealous when he was overseeing these scenes, and he was asked mm. to leave the set a couple of times. Oh, well, they didn't end up together, but yeah, there were a couple at a time. So clearly, their chemistry was reflected there on the screen. Mm. There were this sexy '80s power couple with cheesy sex music playing over their scenes. <laughs> That goes right. Mm. Sax was all the craze in the eighties. It's not just the dodgy sax music as well. We have to contend with it's the eighties, so we have to contend with dodgy hairstyles and even dodgier clothes. <laughs> yeah, and talking about clothes, did you notice the part where um, Veronica brings up that he wears the same thing every day? Yeah, it's not really that stylish either. No, but. Um, so he is still cleaning everyone, right? He just has several different outfits. Yes, identical outfits. And pairs of shoes, they're all the same. And this is actually a known kind of habit to do, um, to kind of make that pre-decision that you're going to be wearing the same thing, or even like saying, yes, I'm wearing t-shirt and jeans, like, okay, yeah, you can have loads of different style t-shirts, but t-shirt jeans, right? You've decided that. It's really simple. And that actually helps us um, to save, like, mental power um, to do, like, more important decisions. And there are actually quite a lot of people that already use this. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently, and they named uh, Barack Obama and Mark Zuckerberg... Um, as examples, who do that. Um, so it actually helps them make better decisions in their business life because that's something that you decide as soon as you're like getting up. You're getting up, you're getting ready. It's one more decision that you don't have to make. And having that kind of pre-made habit actually gives us back something. So it frees up mental space. Yeah, basically. Because he mentions he got the idea from Einstein. Yeah. And think of it, Steve Jobs kind of did the same thing as well. He always wore like a turtleneck and jeans all the time. Exactly. And what? Exactly. They're all successful geniuses. Oh, maybe it was Steve Jobs. <laughs> maybe I got that mixed up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's something difficult for me to do. I have so many different style clothes. I would never be able to go, yeah, I'm just wearing the same thing every day. I like choice, but I have too much choice. Oh, so that's why it takes you so long to get ready yep. every day. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are the same. Um, it's not just women out there. Guys are exactly the same. Like, if you've given yourself too much choice, 
then of course you're going to be indecisive about what what you actually want to wear. Yeah, but don't deflect this. This is you when you're going, oh, my ETA is going to be 11. I arrive at 12. <laughs> I always thought you were just distracted by the cats. But no, it's no. choosing what to wear. Yeah. I'll just throw everything on these days. I think once we finally get out of this pandemic and we can have a night out, I can dress up nice again and then maybe I'll be oh, indecisive. Oh, yeah, that's, that's going to make me indecisive. But right now it's just jeans, T-shirt, done. Out the door. Yeah. Well, I I have to think about what I wear for work because I don't want to wear anything too nice for work because I could potentially get dirty and muddy, you know, being on a um, nature reserve kind of walking about and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't want to get my best my best jeans dirty. But you still won't wear baggy cargo trousers so you can fit no. thermals underneath. I am not a baggy trouser wearing girl <laughs> it's not no. about style it's about surviving the no, harsh winter months i bought a size larger jeans so i can fit thermals underneath that is how i roll okay accept it okay. i guess you have to accept chafing then <laughs> no <laughs> doesn't happen anyway should we get back to the film oh yeah okay so what are we up to <laughs> um oh yeah so seth jeff Whatever you want to call him. He's all falling apart, bits are falling off. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he wants to do that stupid little, oh, we're merged together, we become a perfect family. And in the end, there's another teleportation accident. He merges with a teleportation door. Yeah. <laughs> so he's even more fucked up now. Yeah, Top. but in that part, he's still, like, he's still in his brain. Yes, yeah, there's something still part of him in there. Yeah. I mean, the animal side is taken up. He keeps talking about animal politics. No, insect politics. Yeah. And there is no insect politics. It's all brutal and savage, no. and that part is taken over him. But in the end, he's like, you've got Veronica pointing the gun at him and with his little pointy little claw, claw hand. Yeah. He, like, grabs the barrel of the shotgun and points it to his head. Because, he's like, yes, yeah, please end it. Yeah, I want to die now, so she just... Mercy kills him. Mm. And then she's crying her eyes out. Like, it's a horrific moment. She's actually overcome with emotion and grief. And then it ends. That's it. Yeah, the film ends. That's it. so sudden, isn't it? And you, you're expecting a little bit more. Like, oh, we didn't actually watch it to the end credits. Do you think, like, in the 80s they did, like... No. Because <laughs> could you imagine? Okay, so we've got to the end of the credits and... We're seeing a bit of the her giving birth to this whatever it is. Well, they Fly, did. baby. <laughs> they did, three years later, a sequel to this. Oh, did they? And literally the film starts. Is it starts. the Fly Baby? Yeah, she gives birth to the baby. But it won't Gina Davis, because there's no way in hell she's going to just start, turn up in a five-minute scene. Mm. But a character gives birth to a normal, healthy-looking baby, mm. and then she dies giving birth. So she's out of the picture. Right, okay. And it's why Gina Davis didn't want to be in the film. And then I think it's the organisation who he's getting funded for, you hear briefly, who keeps him at a distance and leaves him alone to do his little experiments. They take the child and raise him on something. And Who's doing experiments? What? Like, whoever it is, the people who fund him, we hear yeah. briefly, they take the child. Oh, okay. And because he's half fly, he ages rapidly. And it's right. basically the same story again. But this time they 
have this better looking fly creature at the end which she does look like a fly and I think it has wings of course it's been disowned by David Cronenberg he weren't interested because and it doesn't have Jeff Goldblum in it no it has some plain looking every man in it he's not and Jeff is not an no. every man <laughs> he's big sexy Jeff Goldblum in this who's been inducted now in the long hair man appreciation society and rightfully so, you husky, hunky, quirky little Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I just want to hug him. Oh, and this is the reason why I think we watch this film. Because you admire him. <laughs> yes, from afar. Not in a creepy way. Not like the creepy ex in this film. No. I just want to be him. I want to be Jeff Goldblum. I don't want to be inside of him. I want, I want to be <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Okay, I think that's a good point to wrap this up. Yes. So, um, I actually really enjoyed this film. I had a look at the ratings on um, Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a 92% tomato meter and an 83% audience score. So I think people agreed with me. Um, what do you think, James? Yeah, it's universally loved. I mean... It's body horror, so it's not scary horror. Except for obviously watching the metaphor of our bodies inevitably decaying <laughs> and us slowly looking into the void of death. Aside from that existential crisis, it's yeah, it's a good film. Yeah, you have a touch of um, humour to it. It's very imaginative. Um, Gory as hell. Yes. Um, it had me gasping a few times. Uh, because of the grossness of it. Um, and it did hold on to the romance as well. So that's why we watched it this month for Tainted Love. Um, and it also made me like think a little bit, like the whole teleportation kind of stuff. Is there something like that out there? And I really don't want to become a human fly. <laughs> Yeah, today on Star Trek, have this problem all the time. Yeah. Like a red coat, like teleporting down, and oh shit, he had a fly on him. And he's like, kill me. I just wanted to teleport down and get a Nando's. Yeah. They have Nando's in the future. Oh, don't. I just want to go and eat out at a restaurant so much and then go to the cinema. Yeah. The simplicity of yesteryear. Ah, yes. 2020. We no. just ri- uh, wipe it from history. Yeah. But well, no. We, ha- we have to learn from this, don't we? Until then, this is basically the gorest chick flick ever. Let's just sum it up with that. The fly is the okay. gorest chick flick. Yeah. I'm not sure I would give it its 18 rating was if it, it came out. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it was. But to me, I think if it came out nowadays, it'd probably be like a 15. It wasn't like extreme gore. Um, so I think it, yeah. Maybe people get sensitive when you turn a baboon inside out. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's one way to go with starting a film, isn't it? <laughs> and maybe a sensor was like, hang on, was that a cock in a jar? 18. <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah, that was The Fly. What did everyone else think? This was Scaring Sam? 
I'm James. And I'm Sam. Yeah, Sam's back. <laughs> for this episode, at least. <laughs> Thanks. Where am I going for the rest of them? Oh, you know the circumstances. Who knows? Who knows these days? Ah, but I think what we'll be doing is setting up remotely. So in a worst case scenario, because we've had to be, um, had to be social distancing um, away from each other. So sad. Yes, and we're um, taking silly measures to do this episode to record. Yes. Um, so we're going to have some remote setup and... We're still going to be doing this. Yes. We've got to carry on. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ScaringSandPod. And you can contact us at ScaringSandPod at gmail.com. Stay, stay, stay safe. safe out there. I got it right. <laughs> I've lost practice. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye, everyone. Bye.